Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Queer Bait, a podcast about all things LGBTQ plus in Hollywood and beyond. I'm Miranda. And I'm Rebecca. And we're your hosts for the episode where today we're going to be talking about The Last of Us, which is once again the Hollywood part of Queer Bait. Well, it's the most fun part. Yeah. What are the other parts? Sports? We know how much I hate those. Yeah. (laughs) Religion? We could get into those, actually. Um, sure, we'll put it on the docket. But for now, we're going to be talking about HBO's number one streaming show right now. The Last of Us, which is based on a video game. Yes, a PlayStation 4. 3? Oh, no. We oh, don't no. know which one it came I played it on PlayStation 4. But you think it might have existed on PlayStation 3? Yeah, maybe. Well, we'll fact check that in the interim. Um, but we do have some news. So we'll do news and then The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Right, before we get to the news section, which we are doing today, um, please, we are begging you to follow us on any form of social media. On Instagram, you can find us at Queerbait Club. You can email us just for funsies at queerbaitclub at gmail.com. Or if you want to stay involved, we built a website that we are really excited about called queerbaitclub.com. That's right. And so if you want to interact with us at all in any way, if you want to pitch an idea to talk about, if you want to tell us that you disagree wholeheartedly with something we've said, we encourage it. Please, in any form, reach out to us. That'd be so, so awesome. Yeah. We're constantly working to sound better and be more entertaining. With that being said, those are the facts. (laughs) Those are just the facts. So with that being said, we will jump into the news. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, you can take a swing at it. All right. Well, we did joke about not really having like religious news that we focus on the Hollywood part. And so my news is religious, as a matter of fact. Um, Pope Francis today reaffirmed his recent statement against the criminalization of homosexuality and recalled his past calls for greater acceptance of gay people, underscoring a prominent theme of his pontificate. Quote, people with homosexual tendencies are children of God. God loves them. God is walking with them, the Pope told reporters, accompanying him on his flight to Rome from South Sudan on Sunday. To condemn someone for someone like this is a sin. To criminalize someone for homosexual tendencies is an injustice, end quote. Um, He has reaffirmed that general feeling, I think, time and time again. Um, I don't love the phrasing, but I feel like this is just about as progressive as I can hope someone like a Pope would be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's nice to hear. I think it helps when you've got a lot of countries in the world that, of course, still criminalizing and using religion as their basis for that. Um, So, yeah, I'll take a positive spin on this. Yeah, Um, I think this Pope Francis, as well as the one who back in 2013 had that really prominent quote where he said, if someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has goodwill, who am I to judge? And so that was a quote that really resonated, I think, with the gay community as well as in a positive way and with the religious community in a less positive way, because one of his first statements was... I don't know, is ambivalence the right word? Where he's kind of like, who am I to judge? Yeah, but almost is ambivalence better than flat out. Yeah, no, I'm not against it. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's people were like, no, you should be condemning. And he was like, who am I to judge? Um, I've always, Yeah, so I, I guess I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I've always actually appreciated his stance. So to say that is, yeah, just about as progressive as I can hope that a pope could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was religious news. What kind of news are you providing to us today for the people? All right, so adjacent to Hollywood... We have the Capitol Records building. Yes. And I'm going to be talking about the Grammys, which well, happened yesterday. Why lead up with Capitol Records? Um, why not like... It's music. The, yeah, but why not just be like, you know, I get it. I, you I was taking like a fun little uh, route through LA. Yeah. So if you haven't been here, you would know. Yeah. Is Capitol Records in Hollywood? It's like... I don't know. Uh, Hollywood, I think. No, I think it's like two blocks away from so Hollywood So adjacent was right. I think in is actually just you more... You just said two blocks away. From Hollywood Boulevard, but Hollywood the city, I think Capitol Records is just in. All right. Okay. Well, then my metaphor didn't quite work, but to the point, um, <laughs> the yesterday, 
Um, we had a lot of queer performers, queer people mentioned. We had our community shouted out by Beyonce. But I do believe the most important thing is that Kim Petras became the first transgender woman to win her award. Now I'm forgetting which award it was. She won Best Pop Duo with Sam Smith. Thank you. For, for their, Unholy. For Unholy, for their song Unholy. Yes. Um, and during her speech, Petras highlighted the trans performers who came before her, including Sophie, who passed away two years ago. Her quote was... I just wanted to thank all the incredible transgender legends before me who kicked these doors open for me so I could be here tonight. Especially Sophie, who told me this would happen and always believed in me. Um, I think it's awesome. We had a very specific moment where she got to shout out the community and really accept something monumental as the first transgender woman to win the award. Um, And Sam Smith, who is non-binary, it was awesome that they really propelled Kim Petras to the front, to the stage. I think it made it a really beautiful moment. Something nice that came out of yesterday. Yeah, and Sam Smith was really being hailed because they stepped aside and let Kim Petras to the front to really take the moment and embrace that moment, which I think is really cool. Um, So it was a big moment for the LGBTQ plus community just in general. And it was a big moment altogether for the gay community or the queer community at the Grammys because there was a small other things that happened, right? Yeah, other than Beyonce, like I mentioned earlier, specifically shouted out the queer community for helping the album Renaissance um, be as popular as it was. Um, I believe Lizzo had a transgender dancer introduce her for her moment. Um, And this dancer came from her like HBO TV show or something like that. So, yeah, just another way. I think Lizzo has always been a prominent ally. So just these tiny moments, I think, that really added up and made the night feel special, in my opinion. Yeah. And what I think is crazy, too, is the recognition. Like, Beyonce's thing, obviously, Beyonce is the queen, you know, of music, even though she arguably got snubbed for album of the year last year, lost to Harry Styles. Um but she really did take the time to specifically shout out gay culture for embracing her album. For sure. I mean, you and I had that experience where we went to the queer club this past summer and that album was it. Yeah, was the whole like time. It just played the entire time. Everyone loved it. But, you know, I do think that happened because we were in a queer space. So, yeah. And so it's cool that she recognizes that. And takes the time to shout that out. And that's kind of also what I would want from... And I think it actually happened with like the producers of the movie Megan that just came out as well. Oh, yeah? Who had to take the time to be like, yeah, this this really resonated with gay audiences. And I almost appreciate when you recognize your demographics and like who really supported your album or your art or your movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially, I think, when you do get launched into like main into the eyes of the general public people are aware of you now but that happened because of the gays like you know like you wouldn't have gotten to that point without the people at the bottom really supporting you so it's just great to see i think when we do get a shout out feels good yeah definitely um just for funsies because we are both pop culture people we are women of entertainment (laughs) what was the biggest surprise win to you Or the biggest snub of the night to you? I mean, for myself personally, I was pretty surprised that Harry Styles won Album of the Year. Um, I think we talked about it in Bad Bunny or Beyonce. I think we're fantastic choices. And I'm a huge Harry Styles fan, but I'll put it out there. Harry's House is not my favorite album from him. No. Um, So I think it's just surprising. Like oh, this is, it almost feels like what tends to happen with award shows where you don't win previous years, so then they, like, give it to you for this one. Yeah, it's like your Perseverance Award. Yeah. It's like you were snubbed last year, so, or two years ago with Fine Line, so now we'll give you it for this one, even though Fine Line was a better album. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you've been on our minds, you've been in Hollywood, you were in movies this year, everyone was talking about Harry Styles, he was touring nonstop, so I do just think that, like, that could be the reason maybe like almost like a popularity award i don't know though 
Um, yeah, just for reference, we had a conversation off mic earlier about the Grammys and specifically album of the year. And we were not on a consensus of what should have won because I do think that you were a big fan of Renaissance. Um, yes. And I, and we both like Harry Styles, um, but I felt that it should have been Un Verano Sin Ti, which is Bad Bunny's album. Um, we looked up, just for my argument's sake, I looked up like what was the <laughs> most popular, like what was spun the most. And Renaissance of those three was spun the least, then Harry's House. But then Bad Bunny had like four times the amount of listens. Yeah, it was like as Harry's album did. Three hundred and sixty million or yeah, something. Yeah, it was close to it was the most streamed album on Spotify last year. So if we're talking popularity contest, it wasn't even a popularity contest because Bad Bunny is the most popular. He's headlining Coachella. Like he's got other things going for him. He didn't need this. He's gonna headline Coachella. He had the most popular album of the year. He was ranked as the best album on like Rolling Stone, Time magazine all these other things. So maybe it doesn't matter that much, but that to me felt like the biggest snub to get recognized by every musical entity and then to not win just felt so disappointing to me. And I think that's a feeling you will continue to feel forever for award shows because sadly they never stand with the people. No. Um, That being said, I thought it was funny that Trevor Noah for that, who was the host and a comedian, he called up the fans on stage, which was cute. He's like, we have some super fans here. Please mm-hmm. come up here. And do you remember a couple of weeks ago when it was like when a black presenter is presenting mm-hmm. and they read a name of another black person? You see the excitement in their eyes before they read it. Yes. And so he, <laughs> Trevor Noah actually handed off the card to someone, one of the fans on stage that the Internet is just fondly calling grandma because she's just an older woman who was a fan who was brought on stage. She goes, here, he he hands her the envelope and goes, why don't you read it? And I like the idea that he was nervous. He didn't want to give anything away. He didn't want his face to say anything about the name in that He card. had read it first. And he, he just opened the o- He opened the envelope. Did his face show reaction? There's just a blank stare. And then I actually think he was looking for a white person. To read it? He looks to his right and then to his left and chooses her. But yeah. If we're going along with this theory that he read it <laughs> he's first. in the know and he read it first, yeah, I think he was looking for so a white person or it. maybe someone who would just be excited for Harry Styles. If he couldn't do it, he's like, I'm just so disappointed. Yeah. Which is so different because when James Corden, who is a white comedian, did his, I don't even, I'm so sorry that I don't remember what Beyonce actually won. but when She he- won best dance slash electric like pop. EDM album. Yeah. And so when James Corden opened the envelope, before he even said the name, he was like, This is such an honor. And, and then have, everyone stood up. Yeah, he said this. <laughs> yeah, he said it is such an honor that you will be gracing the stage with me. This is crazy. You have made history tonight as the most winning like the winningest Grammy person ever, Beyonce come on stage. And so he got this whole like paragraph speech before he said Beyonce's name and she was already up and like hugging everyone at her table before it even got to her name. And meanwhile, Trevor Noah is like why don't you read this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think that just lends me to believe the theory then. What? He read it first. He didn't want to read it. He passed it off to the older white lady. Grandma did fantastic. <laughs> um, which then, last point that we'll talk about the Grammys for, is in Harry's speech, which was very short. He said, this doesn't happen to people like me. And he got absolutely roasted on the internet for it. I mean, immediately when you and I heard that, we were like... That's what weird. does he mean? That's a weird thing to say. As you, having, this person. Having had 24 hours to sit with that one sentence, how do you feel about it? I still think it's kind of weird. I still think it's weird as well. And it it just felt so unnecessary because the rest, I think he understands that he beat out Beyonce, who always feels deserving of an award. Or mm-hmm. maybe he even recognizes, like he's beating heavy hitters. Like he beat Adele, he beat Lizzo, he beat Bad Bunny. Um... So maybe he recognizes it's going to be contentious to beat any of those people. And then he has to go up there and, and be excited about it is maybe tough when you know what spotlight's going to hit you. Well, I think that's why the rest of his speech, he says something like, we're all winners. Yeah. You know, he, it like, doesn't really matter. It's the art. You don't get up trying here to trying win. to win this. Yeah. Um, but then he does finish with, this never happens to people like me. So thank you. And, and then passes the mic off to presumably a producer of some type. Yeah. It was weird because even when that happened, I was like a, a like middle class white guy. And, you know, the fans online have been trying to defend him 
they've said it is the fact that he came from like a bakery and he just like won X Factor and he was in a boy band and he now he's being... He did not win being, X Factor. Or whatever, sorry. My apologies. I did not watch him on X Factor. Um, but my point being, I don't think those excuses make it sound any better. It's just a weird thing to say. Yeah, it's definitely... It's a weird thing to say when you had a tribute to hip hop music where you've got people coming from like Compton, California with almost nothing. When your- you do have Bad Bunny and Beyonce... Yeah, from like, like it is a Puerto Rican artist who's like made that mainstream and like really brought to the forefront a foreign type of music and made it popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt kind of weird. I didn't really like that he said it. And I still don't know if any offenses have really been like, oh, okay. No, nothing has made it seem any better. Sorry, Harry. Uh, I don't think you're very good when the microphone is put in front of your face. No. It's a movie that feels like a movie. I like it because it feels like a movie. So that you go to see no thoughts, head empty, <laughs> no thoughts, head empty. That is it. Um, that is it for our news and commentary section. That was a long one. Yeah, that was. We had a lot to talk about. Grammys are a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. When the Oscars come around, we're going to in a whole two hour episode. Yeah, we'll be killing it. Um, but as it stands, we will be talking about The Last of Us coming up next. Stay tuned. So The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. aired on hbo last night um and it had 7.5 million viewers that was episode four right yes not a premiere not a finale so very interesting um each episode so far has jumped up by a million since the premiering episode so this is one of hbo's most popular shows of all time yeah it beats out the euphoria season two finale by a million on its fourth episode yes <laughs> that's crazy so uh, yeah, The Last of Us. I think it's been on our hearts and minds, and I'm ready to talk about everything gay regarding it. Yeah, and the reason we picked The Last of Us, which is, if you don't know, which is okay because I didn't before the show came out, <laughs> it was initially actually a video game. Mm-hmm. Which we've learned is a PlayStation 3 video game. Yes. That's how it premiered. So it was a PlayStation 3 video game, and the premise is that it is a post-apocalyptic zombie survival scenario yes and you play as a character named joel Mm -hmm. who is a conservative texas man and people's man one of those guys Mm -hmm. um works hard um and he has a daughter and he's trying to protect her in the zombie apocalypse there are spoiler alerts in this episode he does not she dies um and so he's like surviving in this world Mm mm-hmm um eventually there's another girl who is the other lead um who is a teenager and she seems to be immune to the zombie bites and so she is very important to the survival of the human race because she will not turn into a zombie so presumably somewhere in the world there are doctors so now um based on the video game they've now made an hbo tv show like we said it's on episode four And the reason we're really talking about it is because of all the discourse that arose around episode three. Yeah. Episode three is really the farthest from the canon of the video game, which we've described canon before, but canon just means the original source material and how they laid out the plot. Um, So episode three really veers away from what the video game players and fans knew And as you can imagine, there were some haters, I think, for that plot. Um, But it really revolved around a gay man and his gay love story and what that means during an apocalypse, really. Um, That's almost, I feel like, a little confusing because I didn't play the entire game. I've played bits and pieces, and I think generally pl- we're playing it now together. So I kind of have a vague notion of where we are in the show based on where we are in the game. They're kind of like concurrently happening. Um, but the show has to give more background information than a video game does. And so I felt like episode three, which has a gay storyline, was giving you background on a character that wasn't false from the video game but a video game just didn't give you that much background on this character is that fair to say for most of the episode but there's a a moment where it completely shifts from what happens in the game okay so 
I'm just going to lay it out here. Spoiler alert one more time, just to make sure, because this is going to be incredibly heavy. So just be cautioned from this point on in the podcast, there is talk about zombie apocalypse related things, including death, injuries, suicide, um, and violence just in general, as that is a big part of the game. So if that is not your thing, we are not offended if you tune out now and tune in next week. <laughs> um, all right. So go ahead and take us through the storyline of Bill and Frank in the video game. All right. In the video game. Yes. So this is going to be the original video game storyline. Yeah. We are playing as Joel and Ellie and we need a truck. So we go to Bill, who is a survivalist and has many things and resources. When we get there, it's just Bill. We don't meet Frank, but we hear about Frank from Bill. This is his partner. He specifically says partner. He says partner also in the way of like a breath in between. He like Joel's like, where's Frank or who's Frank? And Bill is like, he's my uh, my partner. Yeah. Not in the way of buddy buddies. And yes, the delivery, I think that is seems, implied. Yeah, it's like romantically implied by the way he says partner. So for the people who are arguing that that's not what it was, that's definitely what it came off as. Yeah. In the video game. You felt that way as well? Having Romantic just seen that? partner. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, like I said, we don't meet Frank. Bill is all alone, but we need to get a truck. So the whole mission is just really about getting a truck. And we hear about Frank a little bit. He was Bill's previous partner, but he ended up leaving, basically. Um, we later on in the game end up finding his body, which has been hung and a suicide note left next to it in which Frank states that he hated Bill. Like the only thing he wanted to do was leave him and get out of town and how he hated his guts and everything like that. Yeah, we can quote this. We have the note, the True. note that the video game says Frank is infected, right? Is that the point that sometime Frank? It is presumed that after he left the safety of living in this like compound with Bill, he has become infected and that's why he hung himself. So that's why he hung himself. And Frank's letter to Bill says, well, Bill, I doubt you'd ever find this note because you were too scared to ever make it to this part of town. But if for some reason you did, I want you to know that I hated your guts. I grew tired of the shitty town and your set in your ways attitude. I wanted more from life than this and you could never get that. And this stupid battery you kept moaning about, I got it, but I guess you were right. Trying to leave this town will kill me. Still better than spending another day with you. Good luck, Frank. Good luck, comma, Frank. Comma, Frank. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a pretty harsh note, I think, to receive. Definitely. Bill is definitely um, saddened. You can see it in the video game. And he just kind of like crumples up the note and throws it away. But yeah, definitely a very sad ending yeah. to an implied gay storyline. Um, we do confirm... As well, I want to state that Bill is gay because Ellie ends up finding like a male model magazine that in the truck that was Bill's. So I just want to say the game does do some storytelling to confirm that he was a gay man. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to jump into what happens in the TV show. Yes. Okay. Bill, I mean, sorry. Joel and Ellie still need a truck. So they head to Bill's. And then we cut to like a flashback. And this is what you were talking about when you said that the show is able to give us a lot more background yeah. about the characters. Yeah. So we really dive into how Bill and Frank met, what their story was like, how they fell in love, and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. The key difference here is that in this episode, Frank and Bill never end up hating each other. They love each other till the very end. They have their moments, which we see in the episode, which I think any couple would in a scenario like this. Um, but Frank ends up getting some unknown disease that is uncurable. And he asks Bill to participate in like assisted suicide so he can pass easily from this world. And Bill, being a loving um, partner to him, ends up going on that journey with him. And they both partake in suicide together. And that is the end of their story. Joel and Ellie end up just finding the truck on their own. Like they arrive to the house um, and they see like a suicide letter left from Bill. 
and it's kind of sad. And then they all get their resources and they leave. And that's the end of the episode. Thoughts when you watched it? The reason that we brought up this episode is not just because it was a gay storyline, although that is our thing, that is our cup of tea. Um, It was brought up because it seemed like a lot of the internet really enjoyed the entirety of the episode. It's what, maybe 50 minutes. And again, the point of this episode was to further Joel in his storyline of getting a battery. And that's like the last five minutes of the episode, maybe. Mm -hmm. So this entire episode, basically, is geared towards giving you backstory on Bill and Frank, who both die at the end of the episode. They both commit suicide at the end of the episode. And so it was taken more as a singular love story, I think, for a lot of people, not really like a functional episode for The Mm -hmm. Last of Us. Um And some people thought it was one of the best gay love stories they'd seen. Yeah, it was really being touted as like, wow, I love this episode. I'm so glad for this kind of representation. It's so beautiful. There's so many fantastic moments. And then the other maybe 10%, and it felt like even less than 10%, (laughs) who felt that it was pandering to a gay audience. That it was, it would have been better to accurately portray them as hating each other Mm -hmm. in the show. Even though you don't really get a lot of backstory in the video game, they were upset that it was this happy love story between two men in the TV show. Yes. And I think those haters, that's <laughs> or what at, they least, are. at least the people who disagreed with how the show decided to change um, everything, um, they are mostly people who really stand by the source material or the conversation was around like representation. Like, what kind of representation is good representation? Um, And, like, does it need to be happy all the time? Or, like, can't this have been an interesting take that the video game had to make it sad? And I don't know. Like, I guess that is an interesting question, but does that make the episode not worthy? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i going to start with I thought it was good television. I thought it was good storytelling. Between me and Becca, I am the one who got teary-eyed at the end, even though I didn't love the storyline. I remember at one point asking, like, would this have worked in the real world? And I feel like the answer between the two men, like, Bill and Frank were so polar opposites. The character of Bill is a survivalist who's like a man's man and knows how to do everything. He knows how to build stuff. He's not afraid to kill things. He knows how to, like, skin deer if he sees them. And then Frank is, like, a renaissance man, like, an artist mm-hmm. and a farmer, sort of, of like, a tender of gardens. And so maybe they were going for drastically different people, but they didn't, I don't know, in a real world, I don't think it would have worked at all. In a post, a pre-post-apocalyptic world. Sure. And so in that way, maybe it was a little disingenuous because it's like, I don't believe this love story beyond here and where it's constructed. But isn't that just how life is? In a zombie apocalypse? Maybe. But for the people who hated it and wanted it to be, even me, who's like, I don't think the relationship would have worked. I don't think that the story would have been any better if they had made them hate each other. And Frank left a note being like, I freaking hated your guts. Yeah, ultimately, I think the storyline in the game was good. It was very shocking. Um, I think you come upon that and you feel some real empathy for the character of Bill, who you don't really know that much about. He's just like a guy you came to for a car. Um, So I think in that way, the game does some fantastic like world building and character building. But I do think this change in the show was so emotional and so like um enveloping for the audience like it really like pulled you in and made you care about these like individual stories which isn't that what really matters in this like survivalist way and I think that plays into like the story of Joel and Ellie who like are on this mission together and you don't really care about the zombies like you care about how they grow together as like harsh father figure and like mean annoying teenager you know yeah and so it's it's hard to build a show if you it's hard to build anything if you don't like the characters or you don't understand them or you've got no connection to them 
And so this episode, picking that relationship and building it up to be almost, almost to me, it was like utopian in the way of like this perfect thing existed. You lived in a town that was very rarely threatened. You found this person who you can spend the rest of your time in this world with. And isn't that what we should be building towards in an apocalypse scenario? Mm -hmm. Like building back towards safety and where you can make connections and maybe in that way, I thought it was writing to be like, here are the positives. Here's what could happen. Because yeah. really, they had it perfect. They had enough food. They had enough water. They had enough guns. They had a working truck. They had a garden. They had absolutely everything they could want there. And they're like oasis. Mm -hmm. And I think that's almost a little bit, hopefully, what you were going for and being like, it was showing what could be built, even if that's not what the video game was trying to show. Yes, it's a different take from the video game, but in no way do I think it's a detriment to the story. And I really think if you had stuck to the video game, it almost would have been like, okay, that's the plot. Like, I don't think it would have been nearly as impactful in any way. Like, they still would have been characters that we would not see again for the rest of the show, you know? And in this way, at least we're like, that was beautiful like, we're glad that we got to be a part of their story that entire time. Yeah, which I think is interesting because I think that to me almost was like a difference of medium where in the video game it was kind of world building and in the show it was very artistic. It was from a storytelling perspective to keep creating. Does that make sense? Well, I think when you make it negative, they're ending negative like that where Frank ends up hating his guts, like in the video game, you're just adding to the pile of people who are depressed in this like survivalist yeah. landscape. And almost then, does it not just like blend together? Like, oh, everyone's sad. You know what I mean? And when you add this like one story of light, like you were talking about, what could have been, what's possible if you keep surviving, Um, I think that just like lends itself to make more of an impact on us. Yeah, especially when most of the existence of Bill and Frank was not a violent one in the entire 50 minutes. If Joel has, our lead guy, has already killed like five people by episode four and he's been through so much violence and trauma by episode four, or yeah, in episode four, Bill and Frank only ever fight zombies. And then even the way that they like, commit suicide is with medicine and wine like they don't have to shoot themselves they mm -hmm. don't have to hang themselves like the whole entirety of it is actually like a very peaceful existence aside from two scenes where they fight off zombies or something like that mm -hmm. and they're 30 years there in that little oasis of a town that bill <laughs> was able to save um and i think that's crazy yeah i think it definitely leaves the audience with something to consider and think about and like feel really and isn't that the whole point of like television really is to like leave your audience with an impacted feeling um the video game like i already said was was fantastic as well i think that is like a disheartening moment you don't really like forget it when you come across that it might be like the first time really okay the second <laughs> where, where you feel like genuine sadness probably um but the TV show, I think, having that positive ending when we know what the characters go through and everything, I don't think it was a bad choice at all. Um, but I think this does lend itself to just like a bigger question for like representation for LGBT people, which I think we're always asking for. But do you feel like you want it to be more positive all the time? Like, are you... Sick of anything that's negative? Do you think either could impact you? I think that the thing that I, along with, I don't know, I don't really look for it on the internet. I don't seek out this opinion to see if it's a popular one or not. But I think I was tired of the trope of like an age gap. Like, I, like they don't all need to be coming out stories. They don't all need to be like weird age gap stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Carol's a great movie, but it's kind of what I'm talking about. Like Tar also has like an age element to it, although Tar is more complex than that. But there are a <laughs> lot of films where I think the power dynamic, which Tar is, yes. is so off that this one episode was, the trauma was something everyone was, ex was experiencing. It was a zombie apocalypse. Right. But then it was just building a relationship with the person. 
in this world. There was no weird age gap. There was no weird power dynamic. It was just two people. Yeah, and I do, I do believe that's pretty refreshing. Um, I think for myself, you know, it's cliche, but aren't we just all looking for a good story? And I don't think the episode would have been bad if they had taken the video game route. We might have all still been like, wow, that was beautiful storytelling. But yeah, I think to make that change in really like a time like this where, you know, politics are all over the place, I think, for the LGBTQ community. And I think it's just like relieving almost that in this like arena of survival for these characters they got to have the happy ending and that the like storyteller the story writers and the um showrunner made that huge change from the content the original content for us almost like they decided like the gay people we're gonna give them the happy ending what i also appreciated about that was that i don't some stories i think are stronger as gay stories and some or not and I don't think it would have made much of a difference to me as a viewer if it was a straight couple I think it would have been just as impactful and for that I almost respect it more that they were like okay we are going to veer away from the source material in the way of changing the story but it will still be a gay man Mm -hmm. he'll still find love here and I think that was cool I think to be like I don't know I think it was really you hear a lot how people can't relate to something that mm-hmm. they're watching on the screen. And what I meant is that if you're watching it, like you can relate to a love story. This was really a love story. Not everyone's going to relate to the coming out story. But everyone's going to relate to the love story and the losing someone that you're very, very close with. Mm-hmm. And so I really respected that they were able to make such a beautiful love story. And I think that's why it was important representation. I'm glad you said that just because there were a lot of, I think, more conservative bro-y types on YouTube really shouting at this episode um, to say that like, oh, you guys wouldn't care about it if it was straight or like you guys only care about it because they like made it gay and it's not really this great episode. Um, First of all, yeah, I probably do care about it more because it's gay. But secondly, I think what you just said does kind of mean that like, okay, people are relating to the emotion they can see on screen the actors did a fantastic job, the music, everything, the storyline. And if it had been a straight couple, like it would still be fairly impactful and would still be like a beautiful episode. And it was still very well shot and it was very well acted. And if everything else was the same, except it was straight, I do think this would still be a monumental episode to show that there's happiness amongst the sad, like in a survival scenario like this. And I think that's what people really connect to. So... Just wanted to say that, like, you just proved, I think, that those conservative bro-y YouTubers are wrong. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know, I just thought that was really interesting. I think reading some anti-this-episode propaganda, I think the failure to recognize that they finally, they went off script, off source material, they changed it to make it the most universal feeling you can have. And I don't think that there's a way to have better representation than that Mm -hmm. when we talk about it. I think that's the goal is just to be and to have the most popular HBO show. Have a gay storyline that sure, maybe like some people will be a little uncomfortable, but the emotions that you're watching on screen, there's no way you're sitting looking at that feeling like it's fake or it's not real or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just very important. I think it's very impactful. I agree. And I'd just like to say again that I think that The Last of Us in general um, has always been very like pro-LGBT, adding representation like that. Um, the game came out in 2013. And I'd just like to remind you that's before the federal, in the U.S., before like the federal um, enactment of gay marriage. So that happened in 2015, right? So... um. Yeah, this game, I think, has always been really in, like, the forefront of trying to, like, further representation like that. So I do think anyone that had a problem with this being, like, a gay story so explicitly, they weren't paying attention. But despite all that, we're going to have to do it. 
we're going to have to talk about the question that always arises, which is, how do you feel about the fact that this great love story, which I'm saying was a good love story, of the two actors, one of them was gay and the other one is not. Nick Offerman, who plays Bill, is a straight man. Um, but Murray Bartlett, who plays Frank, mm-hmm. is a gay man. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I plead the fifth. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I think Nick Offerman is a fantastic actor. I think he really did fantastic in this role. Um, made the episode. I mean, Murray Bartlett did as well. I think them together. Um, so I can't say that I would change anything. Like, I I can't say that I would pull him out because he's straight. Yeah, I think he did a, a class act in acting and really brought the episode together. Um, I'm not a casting person. I don't have a roster in my head of every single person who could have, po- who could possibly play any role at any time. Um, but I think he did a good job. I get why they picked him for his other personality traits of being right. standoffish, of being burly, of being kind of offensive. Nick Offerman did a fantastic job in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting. I, I don't have another Rolodex of a person who is comparable or something that I would have been like, oh, you should have picked that guy. For me, actually, the only actor, because I'm a casting professional, mm-hmm. um, is Lee Pace, actually. I don't think it would be a perfect transition from Nick Offerman to Lee Pace. Um, Lee Pace is very charismatic, I think, and that's not one of the traits I think Bill is supposed to have, but... Um, I think he could definitely play like a survivalist that's like out there able to able to kill and able to take on that role. Um, Which is funny because the role I really know him from is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And his character is this veterinarian who's very into yoga and restorative health. So having seen him last in that to imagine him as Bill. Yeah, and the last very was, different. Yeah, you're right. I kind of get it because I think he maybe could pull off the hair length and the gruff beard, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's too charismatic. He seems too nice. He definitely is. So I don't think there'd be a perfect switch. And I don't know. I I am no um, expert on the subject. I still believe in representation and like propelling. LGBT actors and professionals forward so like trying to cast appropriately for that but I just loved Nick Offerman so much in this role I think he did a fantastic job he still had that like chemistry I think with uh, Murray Bartlett who I also love who we know from um, The White Lotus season one where he played a gay role again he Mm -hmm. was a gay manager at The White Lotus Mm -hmm. killed it somebody said that he is single-handedly keeping HBO Afloat. Uh, afloat. Well, maybe not like afloat, <laughs> but like at number one with the White Lotus and I don't now know. with The Last of Us. Warner Brothers still might tank HBO Max. So there's still time. Yeah. So if Andrew Murray Bartlett Bass. could save it. If he could just get five more roles on a variety of different HBO shows, <laughs> maybe they'd keep going. Um but for real, I think that's my stance on the subject for now. I think it's complicated, I guess. And in no way am I the only voice on this matter. But yeah. Nick Offerman can stay. Yeah, in this role. Is that how it should be a case-by-case basis? Um, and if it's a case-by-case basis, aren't we basically just saying that the best actor wins? That you... That what I'm saying is that Murray Bartlett should also have the opportunity to play straight. Yes. He's played gay twice in these huge roles on these huge shows where he's done fantastic, but he should also then have the opportunity to p- play straight. Yes. So I think that's what I meant. I agree. Yeah. Can you think of any other examples? Of someone who's done that? Yeah. Honestly, Kristen Stewart came to mind. Kristen Stewart has played gay and straight. She's had a lot of roles. And only the only reason she came to mind is because Kristen Stewart came out and said that she believes that acting is acting and anyone should be able to play anything. And she does not care that gay actors should play gay roles. Um, 
But I do think she awfully shines in a gay role, doesn't she? <laughs> it just seems like it comes more naturally <laughs> to her. Um, but I think that whole feeling is in line with, oh my God, I wish I remembered what famous person said it recently, where he was like, yeah, this guy showed up to set being completely exhausted because that was what the role entailed today. So he was like, yeah, I haven't slept in 72 hours and I wanted to be like delirious. And he was like, if you're a good actor, shouldn't you just be able to play delirious? Like, do you yeah. have to keep yourself up for 72 hours or can you just pretend to be tired? Like act tired. Yeah. Um, And so it almost feels like a little in that vein. Like, can't a good actor play gay or be straight? Like, can a gay actor be straight? Can a straight actor play gay? I get why representation is more important than that, but it was fun. They all, it is funny to me that Kristen Stewart would say that. I think it's a very artist position to say something like that. Like, it's a very much like, yeah, anyone should be able to act anything. We're all artists. We should be able to try and try out these roles and transform ourselves. Where isn't like the very political activist stance to say, gay people need to be propelled forward and we need to help them get, you know, the recognition they deserve. Yeah. I think um, that Kristen Stewart would not have that stance if she started losing roles to straight women. These gay roles to straight women. And if it was anyone else in Happiest Season, <laughs> would Kristen Stewart be this? I mean, I think it's still fair to point out that so many straight actors win Oscars for playing gay roles. Well, that's the bigger issue. Yeah, so I think these, these accolades are-, are being given to... Gay, gay roles, but usually with straight actors. What about people who are sexually ambiguous? Harry Styles and My Policeman, which is probably not going to win any awards. I'll start there. I don't know. What about, yeah, like Kate Blanchett in Tar? <laughs> is she straight? She's pretty straight, huh? I was like, I think she is. Even though she has distinct not straight energy. She I does. I do believe she's straight. And now she's done a couple roles that are very And coveted. that's very suspicious. At this point. Like once girl, you've done three, I'm like, I hope what's going on? I safe enough to come out one day. Yeah. Um, but no, it's like if we like the film, if we as me and you like the film, then we don't really question it. Yeah, so it. I guess we just give it a pass. Sorry, queer people. <laughs> Kate Blanchett killed it. She did fantastic. She'll probably win an Oscar this year. And I will rally behind her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is anyone talking trash about Kate Blanchett? I've really only seen complimentary things about the movie. I've seen a few tweets about Kate Blanchett winning, but it's not really talking trash. It's more like, let's push white women out of the way. We have some really important um, women of color that are up. Really, I think it's just... Um, Everything, everywhere, all at once, actress. Who I am blanking on her name. I'm so sorry. I was, I'm, so, I was thinking Stephanie, but I know that's wrong. No, Stephanie Sue is also up though. Yes, for best supporting actress. Yeah, but she would not be in the same category as Kate Blanchett, who is up for main actress. Yeah. But my point being that there are other women I think that people are really touting for because it would be really monumental for them to win this year. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I get it. And also then to be like Kate Blanchett as a white woman winning, questionable. As a white straight woman playing a lesbian woman, questionable. Like it's so many <laughs> like checks in the box of like, should you win that category? Should Harry Styles win album of the year this year? Is kind of how that feels to me. Um, For sure. And I just think that when we get into these like awards discussions or these like discussions about who's being recognized... Of course, I still believe that we need to be like propelling these other people forward when these awards have really been like dominated by one demographic, yeah. you know? Michelle Yao, I just remembered. <laughs> that's what her name is. Oh, and that's the mom, right? Yes. And she's fantastic. And she's been an industry leader for a really long time. So, um, yeah, I, I really hope she gets her recognition this award season. Loved that movie. Loved everything everywhere all at once so that's who we're rooting for yeah sorry we still somehow jammed in a conversation about the oscars we'll have another episode episode. for that yeah (laughs) we'll do we'll do it again we'll run it back um but that's really all that we have today i feel like we really expanded on the grammys the last of us and just general oscar vibes this year 
And before we end it entirely, I'd like to say we will probably end up bringing up The Last of Us again due to the fact that I know what happens in the future of the series. Because you've played the video game. Because I've but, played the video game but and the also, second video game. Well, they've also, though, gone with a week-by-week release. Yes. So we are up to date on episode four, but I think there's ten episodes. We've got six more weeks, baby. Woo. Let's do it. And what did you just tell me before we started? That The Last of Us has fantastic streaming numbers, mm-hmm. 7.5 million mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um I know for episode three, between weeks three and four, they ended up bumping up that number to 20 million in the week. That's actually really high. But on the first day, it was six million. Mm -hmm. Um, But it releases every Sunday. And on Sunday, February 12th of this year, 2023, is actually Super Bowl Sunday. And so so understanding that everyone will be busy with Super Bowl Sunday, The Last of Us actually is just releasing on Friday. Yeah, apparently they believed they couldn't contend with the Super Bowl. They said, screw the Grammys, screw the Oscars, which we will still, we will have our finale of The Last of Us airing at the same time as the Oscars. But we cannot contend with America's favorite sport, football. I think that's funny. Yeah, I mean, the stats don't lie. The stats don't lie, but I also do think that it is like a slap in the face. It's like sports, Super Bowl, no, we don't stand a chance. We'll release early Grammys, Oscars, puh, I spit on you. They said, oh, for the art people, we're winning. People love us. I want to look up, just for funsies, how many people do you think watched the Grammys yesterday? Apparently, they were up 20% from previous years. But hasn't it been so low recently? Yes. Uh, 12.4 million viewers. That's a lot, actually. This year. I'm surprised. It rose 30% from last year. Oh. Can I actually say that I think that it was a pretty uneventful Grammys? Like, I don't think that it was the most fun. Um, um, seeing Taylor Swift have the time of her life was fun for me. Yeah. She was the only one who really, I'm a, we're Taylor Swift fans here. We'll start there. But Taylor Swift was the only person standing up for absolutely everyone last night. Standing, clapping, standing, dancing, standing, <laughs> She was having singing. a good time. The only time she was sitting was when she was drinking with Trevor Noah and that little, like, bit that they did yeah um i think you know we are taylor swift fans and she really made my grammy viewing enjoyable um but yes grammys went up 30 percent. yeah it actually says that it went up the 2022 show drew 9.6 million viewers it's not that many that's a fairly big jump then yeah yeah that is that's crazy i wonder if it's because it was available on Uh, streaming I wondered if you've now got, who is the opening act? That's right, Bad, Bad Bunny. Bunny. And when you've got Spanish language incorporated, I feel like that has to boost your numbers. Um, He's the most streamed artist of the year. Yeah, so people tune in <laughs> for Bad Bunny. Um, but that is all that we have for you today. Again, if you'd like to interact with us in any way, if you agree with us or disagree with us and want to let us know, we're more than excited to hear from you. Please do. You can follow us and DM us on Instagram at QueerBaitClub. You can email us at QueerBaitClub at gmail.com. Or you can just find us on the internet with some pictures of ourselves at QueerBaitClub.com. Dot com. That's right. That is all (laughs) that we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and talk soon. See you next time.